the Lord's good, isn't he? <laughs> the Lord's good. The Lord's really good. Mm, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Mm-mm-mm. All righty. I'm going to read this, John 20, 19 through 23, some of my favorite verses in the Bible. I say that a lot, about lots of verses, but it's, but it's all true. Yeah. This is right after Jesus was resurrected from the dead, which was a really good day, right? <laughs> a really good day. It says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst. Now that's really the thing, right? That's what we're looking for, is, um, is for Jesus to be standing in our midst. That's the difference maker, Right? That, that's really it. You take Jesus away, and there's nothing left as far as, we, you know. I was telling those guys at the uh, retreat, it's like, man, when the Lord's moving, we do really good as a church. I mean, but when He ain't moving, we do really bad as a church. <laughs> we sort of put all our eggs in that basket. We've not put them in another basket. And I'm keeping my eggs in that basket, in the God basket, in the Holy Spirit basket. That's, my, that's where all my eggs are. All my streams of joy are in you, the Scripture says. And he said to them, Peace be with you. Let's just say that. Peace be with you. Say it to yourself. Peace be with you. Peace be with me. That's right. Come on. And the Lord really wants to release peace, I really believe, above all else. There really is such an anointing right now for healing of hearts that are broken. It's, it's really, really powerful what the Lord is, is wanting to do in people's life. This, these folks who've lost loved ones, is, there's a healing for you. It's a real healing. Uh, and, these, and people who've gone through stuff who, where you have been wounded and you've been hurt and by just life. And every, I don't think anybody in this room has, not, has escaped that one. I mean, if you have, I don't know, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> But you, you can go through, through things in life, uh, just life, just life, and there's going to be hurts that are going to be inflicted just in the normal course of life. And lots of times we don't really understand and realize the hurt that we're carrying in us, okay? And, and many times it really is the people closest to us that are hurting us, not, not on purpose, but because they're getting they're going through life too and they're having to deal with life and and we and that's the human response in a fallen state is we hurt each other and we do things we say things that's why there's so much in the bible about relationships but the lord is healing right now there's a healing anointing for hearts and, and you know these guys were i can promise you at that moment those men were hurting badly and the lord spoke peace into their hearts and that's really what i hear the Lord doing right now is speaking peace into people's hearts. And if we'll receive it, something can really happen to us that can really transform us. And the amazing thing is, is when you open yourself up to this, you, real, you, you realize that there, there are hurts that you, didn't even, that you weren't even conscious of. And He begins to suddenly to expose them, but the beautiful thing about it, at that moment of them being exposed, He's healing them at that, right, right at that same time. And man, it's, it is really a good, it feels good when the Lord heals you. 
It feels good when God does something in your heart. And so I want to encourage you to really tap into that healing, that healing power of the Lord, okay, of His Word speaking peace to you, and that He really wants to put His hand on your heart today, on your soul. Many times, and we've seen this happen so many times, it's terrible, is, and the best illustration I've ever thought of was, you know, if you have a little pet dog and it gets hurt and you go grab it and your little pet dog that loves you, if it has a hurt on it, it's liable to bite you, you know, when you go to try to help it. And a lot of times when God begins to touch people, there's some pain associated with healing, okay? And sometimes we re- react to it, okay? Just react to it. I will say this. You know, last week when I talked a lot about forgiveness, there was reaction. Now, I'm, and I don't really have an issue with the reaction. The reaction is a good thing because God's touching something in people's hearts. He's touching areas of hurt in people. Okay? But He's touching it to heal. He's touching it to bring stuff out of you, the poison that's in you, to draw it out of your heart. And I just really encourage you to let the Lord do that. Amen? Amen. That's what peace be with you means. There's something real about peace that's very powerful because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And when He had said this, He showed them His hands and His side. Well, that's, see, that's what He was doing. He was releasing healing because by His stripes we're healed, right? That's, that's, that's one of the deeper meanings of that. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Amen. Isn't it great to be able to be glad? Isn't it great to, to be able to worship the Lord with gladness? And just, you know, be able to yell if that's what you feel like doing. You know what I'm saying? Isn't that something? That's what the, the gospel is all about. It's not about some silly thing that you have to do it a certain way or look a certain way. You know, that's all my thing. That's religious baloney. I'm not really interested in eating baloney. Why would you eat baloney when you can have beef, right? Ask Becky, right. Yes, sir. Somebody knows that testimony. (laughs) So the Lord said to them again, peace be to you. Maybe they were still, some of them in the room, not having peace. The reason he said it again. Uh, They may have still been scared because he just sort of showed up, right? And then he said something amazing. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had, had said this, he breathed on them. That's the goal in life, is a fresh breath from heaven, right? That's what I'm looking for, is, Lord, your breath. Just breathe on me, Lord. And said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive, any, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retra- uh, retained. So it's powerful that the Lord, okay, first of all, there's a receiving of the Holy Spirit you have to, to do. You, there's something He's asking you to do. He's asking for receptive hearts. Okay, He's asking you to receive. All right, and, and I better hurry up here. Because I'll tell you, there's things that will hinder you from receiving. There's a lot of things that will hinder you from receiving the Holy Spirit. Okay, there's things that clog you, you clog the reception up. Um, so that's really important, receiving. Okay, and notice that how he ties the Holy Spirit and forgiveness. 
Okay? Jesus ties the Holy Spirit and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. This, so to Jesus, this, what He said here, this is important. That we would see how Jesus viewed forgiveness. How He reviewed the power of forgiveness. Okay? He viewed forgiveness, you know, it was equivalent. If you're really having the Holy Spirit, if you're receiving the Holy Spirit, forgiveness will be, be part of the deal. It has to be part of the deal. It has to be. And that's one of the things, by the way, that will hinder your reception of the Holy Spirit is, is your lack of being willing to forgive. It really will. I wanted to read this quickie little thing here, uh, Luke five twenty three through 24. The story is Jesus was in another house one day, and he was preaching, and the house was packed with people, and there was a man who was paralyzed, who desperately needed a touch from the Lord, and they couldn't get him to the Lord. So his friends opened the roof of the house and lowered him down. As you know, can you imagine a person being lowered down right now as Jesus was speaking? And Jesus said something profound. He told that man, "Your sins are forgiven." That's what he said to that man. Your sins are forgiven. And of course, the people there got all riled up because Jesus was forgiving somebody. And this is what he said in verse 23 of Luke 5. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk? But that you may know, now see, this is really important, that the Son of Man has power. Everybody say power. Power, power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And the man got up and went home whole. In other words, this is the truth. Forgiveness, the Holy Spirit, and the power of God, the miracles of God are all tied up in God's eyes. They're all a part of what God does. Okay? And many times we, you know, we get so you know, weird about this thing. We don't realize how important these things are to the Lord. Okay? And, we will, and, and people, lots of time the truth is... A lot of times when people can't really get their healing or get the thing that they need from God is because they're tied up somewhere in unforgiveness. There's this thing working against them spiritually. Okay? And this hindering the flow of the power of God. Okay? And see, that's really the thing that we have to allow God to work in our life, work these things and make sure these things are not tying us up. Or we're cutting off the power of God from being able to do what it must do. Amen? And so, <clears throat> let me read Luke twenty four forty nine. This is my favorite Holy Ghost verse. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Everybody say, the promise. As many people have said, there's lots of promises of God in the Bible, but there's only one, the promise. It's the, it's the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father. But tarry or wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued or clothed with power from on high. Isn't that powerful? Wait until this power comes and clothes you. All right, so notice that Jesus breathed into these men. He breathed the Holy Spirit into them. And man, if you got the Holy Spirit in you, you got something cooking. Right? You've got something. If we got the Holy Spirit in us, we got God. We've got Him. We ain't got to get Him. 
We got the man. He's in us. We need to say, wait a minute. Something's wrong in my life because I've got him. When you got born again, you got him. You got God. We got to start looking at ourselves right. That was kind of That was kind of Pentecostally. <laughs> He's the difference maker. He's the difference maker. But it was crazy. Lord have mercy. Suddenly you got God, but the next breath, don't do a thing. Don't do a thing. You go to Jerusalem and you wait. You wait. And that messes a lot of people's theology up. But the truth is, that's something that we need to face. I've got God. You've got God. I've got everything God will ever give me the moment I'm born again. There's just no doubt about that. But am I walking everything that He has given me? No. God has something for us. Just like He has something for these men. I think about, Lord, have mercy. There were people dying right then that needed to hear the message that Christ died for your sins. There were people dying. While he was talking, there were people dying all around him. Old people, young people, people were being murdered, just, just like there's people dying right this moment somewhere in the world. And you'd have thought, God, y'all got to get out there so those people can hear the message. But no, don't you dare go tell them the message. Now, don't that really speak to your heart? I've wondered about that. Like, what in the world, Lord? What kind of show are you running here? You give us something, and then you say, don't do nothing. And the world needs everything we got. And he said, wait. So there's this thing in the Bible called the Spirit and Power. Okay? You find it all over the place in the Bible. It's an interesting thought if you begin to study it. In other words... This is what the angel told Mary in Luke chapter 1, verse 35. It says, the Holy Spirit is going to come on you. And the power, the power of the Most High is going to overshadow you. And you're going to have a baby. And his name's going to be Jesus. That was a powerful, powerful day. Wasn't that a powerful verse? He told the, in Acts 8, 1, 8, he said, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. I think this is interesting. Acts ten thirty eight says, Jesus Christ was anointed. God anointed Jesus Christ, what? With the Holy Spirit and with power. <laughs> I just messed up with you this thing. <laughs> I just did that on purpose. If I made a baby cry, I'm sorry. I was just kidding. All right, I'm serious. I was just kidding then. 
I just think it's interesting that Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. I mean, the Bible is bringing out a point. It's trying to tell us something. God wants us to know something. And Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 2, 4 through 5. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. Don't you love that? When Paul was at this point in his ministry, he had been in, around in Acts 17. I think I've shared this before, haven't I? I probably haven't. I've talked to some people about this all the time because I'm so irritated all the time by what I call philosophical Christianity. It's Acts 17 Christianity. Uh, Acts 17 was Athens. And Paul went there, and it was a place where philosophers gathered and had conversations. And Paul spoke to them there. I know I've told y'all this, but let me just tell you one more time. Some commentaries say it is the best presentation of the gospel in the Bible. It is the model. That's a lie. It is a lie. It is not the best presentation. Because a couple people got saved. Usually when Paul went somewhere and preached, lots of people got saved. Demons manifested. That's why it was the best for some people, because it was nice and clean and nothing really happened. So that was a great day at church. It was clean. Nobody acted up. The worship team didn't mess up. Nobody yelled. Nobody danced. Nobody did anything stupid. And it was okay for Grandma to come to church that day because she went home not offended. You know what I'm talking about? Like, God, why do I have a church that I can't bring my grandma to because she hates this stuff? I know you've never thought that. Some grandmas, though, love it. <laughs> my, yeah, I know somebody's grandma that loves it. You know? I know somebody's grandpa that loves it. But Paul left that place and went to Corinth. And this is what he said. My speech and preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Isn't that amazing? That your faith wouldn't be in all this talk, all this stuff, all this philosophy, all these thoughts, all this nice-sounding stuff, but in the power of God. Because there's nothing else that our faith can rest on and it be secure, but the power of God. So I think the script, the Spirit and the power are linked together so many times in the Scriptures that we can't ignore it or explain it away. We should not. It would be foolish for us to try to explain that away. We should embrace that thought. And so I've always looked at being born again, Jesus breathing His Spirit into me, Okay? That's how I see it. Jesus breathed into me and I got His Spirit inside of me. But when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Spirit inside of me got loosed. Okay? And this power was now made available. That's all it is. So if you feel like there's this haves and have-nots, it's just baloney thought. It's a lie to keep you from becoming a real haver. Because you already got it. All needs to happen is it needs to get released. You know what I'm talking about? That's what the baptism, it releases the power that you have inherent in you as a believer. That's what it is. Don't believe any other lie that's ever told you. 
because it's a lie. There's no haves and have-nots. It's just that some people have experienced this endowment from God. It's come down on them. They've received it. They've allowed it. And God has clothed them with power. And He wants to clothe all believers with power. That's the truth. I love that. And so I see the Holy Spirit, when they talk about the Spirit, that's the presence of God. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God in the earth. And we're carrying this presence in us as believers. When you get baptized in the Spirit, the presence that's in you is released. So God's called every Christian to be a person of power and a person of presence. That's your main job. Is your job is you're carrying something. You're carrying the presence. And he wants to release that presence around you. That's why he said, when you get this experience, you'll be witnesses to me. You know, in Jerusalem and Judea and to the uttermost parts of the earth. The ends of the earth, that's right. You will be carrying something to give people. It's not some weird thing. It's not weird. This thing is not weird. It's not a have or have not thing that's that's religion has made it to be to push people away. Listen to this one. Are you okay? <clears throat> uh, no. Let me read a couple more verses real quick and I'll be done. It says, Don't be drunk with wine, Ephesians five eighteen. That's what it says. Which is dissipation, which is waste. So if you're getting drunk on anything besides the Holy Spirit, that's just a waste of time, really. I mean, you're being wasted. But if you get drunk on the Holy Spirit, that's a good thing. Yeah, it's a good waste, man. And people do get intoxicated on the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. I'm asking that God all the time make me drunk on the Holy Spirit, Lord. Because something happens to you when that, when that happens to you. Something, there's a transaction from heaven that happens. Okay? It's not just an, an experience, but there's something really does happen to you. And it does something to you. I don't know what it does, but it does something good. You know it's got to be good if God's doing it, right? So, but be, but be filled with the Holy Spirit means be being filled. That would be the literal translation, be being filled. And so the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not a one-time event in our life. It is an event, it is an experience, but it's not to be just one thing that happens. It is to be an ongoing filling of the Holy Spirit Ongoing, the flow is the rivers of God inside of you. It's ongoing where they can continually flow in you. Okay, that's the purpose. That's the dream of God. It's for those rivers that are in you to continually be releasing and be flowing in you. But things can happen, okay? Ephesians 4.30. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. In other words, we can do things that can stop the flow. We can grieve God. And in another place, 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, Don't quench the Spirit. We can quench Him in our life. So although you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you have Jesus living in you, you have Him activated and coming forth and do with power, you can stop it. You can shut it down. You can hinder God in your life. You can hinder the flow of the Holy Spirit in your life. Yeah, don't do it. It's a bad thing. It's not a good day. And so I'm going to tell you 14 things in five minutes. These are 14 things I've done, so I know all about them. Number one, 
compromise. If you're living a compromised lifestyle, if you're living compromise, if you have sin in your life that you are not actively talking to God about, then that will hinder the flow of the Holy Spirit in your life. It will just do it, I'm sorry to say. Number two, relational dysfunction. Resentment, jealousy, bitterness, anger, unforgiveness, being argumentative, criticism, wanting to pay people back, all that will hinder the Holy Spirit from flowing in your life. Let me read this real quick. I want to read it because it speaks. It's Isaiah 58, 8 through 9. This is what the Lord says to people. Your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing will, shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Isn't that beautiful? Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. I'm in for this. You shall cry, and He will say, Here I am. Boy, it's really good. But then He says this, If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, and speaking wickedness, the Lord's saying, those things keep Him from working in your life, keep Him from flowing in your life. Criticism, accusing, jealousy, all those things will keep the Holy Spirit. It shuts the Holy Spirit down. It quenches Him. He can't do what He needs to do. doesn't mean you can't go to people and have conversations and work through issues, but if you're, you've got to be able to do those things. Otherwise, you're going to shut down the power of God in your life. You're going to shut down the presence of God in your life. Okay, number three. Y'all love that, don't you? Drinking from the wrong source, and that means the world. Christians are famous for slopping up the world and sucking in what the world's saying, the philosophies of the world, the attitudes of the world, the carnal desires of the world, the things of the world, materialism and greed, Money becomes so big to us, and clothes and cars and careers. You know, hey, let's throw it into the church world. Your spirituality becomes bigger than God. Your ministry becomes bigger. All that stuff is the wrong source. Take it and chuck it all to the wind. I don't care how spiritual it is or how carnal it is. Chunk it all to the wind the day it becomes. As one famous preacher said, What's blessing at number two in your life will become a curse at number one in your life. We curse ourselves when we allow anything to become greater than the person of the Holy Spirit. We curse ourselves. Even if he's number three, your wife is beautiful and lovely, but she's not import more important than the Holy Spirit. She can become really ugly and mean apart from the Holy Spirit. I'm just telling you the truth. And we'll give you some bad counsel. Ask Adam. <laughs> One day his wife gave him some bad counsel and wanted him to indulge with him. So she, that was not a Holy Ghost day for her. <laughs> right? And vice versa. You know, I'm not just saying this on women. So I'm just not, a, you know, y'all know women can do some stuff, right? <laughs> I'm talking about good stuff. I'm talking about, you know... Anyways, I'm out of the flow. i got to hurry. <laughs> Number four is a complacency or casual attitude towards the things that God loves. A complacency or casual attitude. God doesn't know. If God loves something, I'm saying I need to love that. 
If we are casual or complacent about things that God loves, God does not appreciate that. That quenches the spirit. You know, we need to find out what God really cares about and jump into it head over heels. You know, and God cares about a lot of things. You can't necessarily jump in head over heels about everything He cares about, but you can jump in head over heels about the things He tells you He cares about. If He tells you He cares about the poor, you need to jump in. If He tells you He cares about children, you need to jump in. If He tells you He cares about the preaching of the Word, you need to jump in. If He tells you He cares about missions, jump in. If He tells you about He cares about good moral and sound business people, jump in. That's the thing He wants you to jump into. Don't be casual about those things. Don't be complacent about those things. God wants everybody to jump wholeheartedly in to worship because the Bible says the Father is seeking worshipers. That's what He's looking for. He's letting everybody know worship's sort of important to me in heaven. And maybe you, it should become important to you on earth so when you get to heaven you'll be one of the top ones because you learn how to worship on earth. doesn't mean you have to sing good. You've got to figure out how to do worship. Here, I figured out how I can really make a joyful noise to the Lord. I would say that probably the worship team doesn't consider it to be joyful. You know, but to me it's joyful because when I do it, something comes alive in me. I have found a way of worship the Lord and I can't carry a tune except for, except for on my op, iPad or iPod. I can carry a tune on That's my tune, carrying the iPod. But I can do something. I can make a sound to God that I know God is pleased with. You know why it is? Because it's the real me crying out to Him in worship. And learn what that is. I learned what it is. I did it one day. I thought, whoa, that sounded weird. But God, God was on it. I could feel Him on it. Find out what that is. You know, if it's playing an instrument, which not many people can do, very good. But even if it's that, do that. Because God thinks that's lovely. I've got to hurry up. The sorrows and cares of this life. Okay, people getting sick when you're sick, especially if you have long-term chronic pain. Those things work against us spiritually. Okay, uh, people, you lose your job, you get some bad news, somebody dies in your family, a major disappointment happens in your life. All those things can suck the life of God right out of you. And you become a shadow, a shell, in the very moments when you needed God. That's why he said the throne of mercy, grace for help in time of need. Yep, you've got to be careful about those things. Unbelief and cynicism. Many people have bad experiences in churches like this. They get touched by the Lord, but maybe something bad happens to them, and they become cynical towards the things of God. Maybe a prophecy didn't come true in their life. They're suddenly becoming cynical towards the voice of the Lord. Not knowing that God may be saying, I gave you the word, but it wasn't meant for today. It wasn't meant the way you thought it was supposed to be. You've got to hear God when he speaks to you, and he may have a different application. But a lot of people get cynical towards God. They, don't, they get angry if God. They don't want to be vulnerable no more. I'll tell you something. That will quench the Holy Spirit in your life. That will shut you down spiritually. And your life will not be good the way it could be. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all do. This, people in this church know about this. They've been through some of this stuff, but they got through it. Amen? As Winston Churchill said, if you're going through hell, if you're walking through hell, keep walking. That was profound. Just keep walking. Don't stop. Just keep going because there's light there. All right, I'm going to hurry. Can you give me a couple more minutes? Say yes or no. 
All right, I didn't, who said no? <laughs> Here's a big one. Intellectualism. In other words, the mind makes a great servant but a terrible master. You cannot understand this stuff with your mind. Now, the mind is awesome. God's given mind and given intellect, but the intellect is not the first thing. You don't appeal to your intellect first. You appeal to your heart first. You let your heart speak to you. Your mind, and tell your mind, you're going to, because truth is, there's lots of things that God does, and my mind thinking, I don't want to do that. Is that, are you kidding me? That's a word from the Lord. You've got to be kidding me. That can't be, that's ridiculous. But my heart's saying something else. And so we've got to learn to listen to our heart. Speaking of men's retreats, or leadership's retreats, or anything that has to do with a bunch of men gathering, I can't stand doing that stuff. I dreaded it for weeks. God, i got to go on that thing. And I'm supposed to be the leader. And I don't want to go. And I don't have anything to say. What am I going to tell them? They're the worst cats in the world. You, throw about, you know, you, leadership is herding cats. That's it. You can't hurt them. They, you don't hurt a cat. They'll slap you. But the Lord is so precious. So I left my house to get in my car to drive up here to the church you know, that little quick three-minute drive. To get in the car was Dean and Steve laughing. And I was driving back down my driveway. God started singing a song to me. And this is what he started singing. And I cried like a baby. It was a song that means something to me because we sang it the day the roof collapsed. In fact, we started singing it and the roof started collapsing. It's, I have a plan for you. It's going to be good. It's going to be great. It's going to be full of me. It's going to be wild. We were singing that song, and we didn't know we were on the verge of dying. <laughs> That's the plan. God's taking us all to heaven today. <laughs> I said to the Lord, after the roof cracked, that was your plan for us. We sang it in the bend. <laughs> well, when the Lord was singing it to me, driving back out the driveway, it was precious to me, okay, at that moment. Because at that moment, I told my mind, you just need to stop all this foolishness. Because yeah, God has a plan. God has a plan. He's got a plan for you. And it's going to be wild. It's going to be good. It's going to be full of Him. There may be some roofs cracked along the way. Right? But you're going to be all right. It's going to be good. That's how an example of don't let your mind rule you. Number eight. got to hurry. Playing it safe. Uh, worried about what will happen, what other people will think about, the fear of men's sincerity. Oh, that's just emotionalism. All that hogwash, all that bull, just sweep it out the door. Who cares what anybody else thinks? All I care about is this. I want God to touch me. And if I have to look like a fool in the process, I'm good to go. I've already settled that. And I think you need to settle that. I would rather look like a fool with God touching me than think I look great without Him touching me. And at the end of the day, my wife, my children, everybody I'm around, they suffer for it because I've not allowed God to have His way in my life. And I'm going to tell you all, parents, something. you want to raise your kids right, get them into the Holy Ghost. That's the way you help your kids is don't do all this other crazy stuff. You know, God's, the Holy Spirit will trump any kind of parenting. I'm just moving on here. <laughs> Number nine, I'm going to hurry, I promise. Being religious rather than relational. Y'all know what I'm talking about. 
Everybody in this room is susceptible to being religious. Here's a classic way I'm religious. I get this prayer that really works good in my life. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a certain prayer in the Bible that I really love. Boy, this is really good. God's on this prayer. Six weeks later, three weeks of which God has moved off the prayer, and I'm still praying it, thinking there's some magic on this prayer still, and that I will press through this. I'm going to press through and pray the Lord's Prayer because six weeks ago when I was praying it, God was all over it. God was touching me. But God has moved on, and He's saying, that's a great prayer. I love that prayer. In fact, I prayed that prayer. And it's a wonderful prayer. But you've made it into some formula, son. And I'm not doing formulas. You either have a relationship with me or nothing because I'm not doing all that other stuff. Isn't that a gift from God when He starts talking to you? And so you just give it up. Well, it's a gift, and it takes me three weeks to figure it out. You just give it up. He wants a relationship with you and I. And when we don't allow that, we have to set through messages that go over. <laughs> Number 10, what's next attitude? What's, oh, well, I've already been, you know, I've already laughed. I've already fallen down. I've already had that. I've already heard that. I've already done that. I've done that, got the t-shirt, all those things. God doesn't really appreciate that. You know? And so He doesn't like for us to get bored with Him and, and have that attitude towards Him. Don't do that because that offends the Lord. Like I say, I've done all these. You know, Jesus in Matthew 11, there was a city where He did His greatest miracles. It didn't move those people. They had this attitude like, well, what's next? What's, show me a better miracle than that. Do something greater. You know what Jesus said? You guys are in trouble. It's going to be bad news for you. That's what he said. He, I don't, he said, I don't appreciate that. When I do something, I want it to move you. I want it to touch you. Whether it's big or little. I've learned this. Little things. A little thing. Just take the little thing. The little thing. Like any little thing has to be precious. Anything that God does, count it precious. All right, number 11 is identity issues. People feeling like, like they're not worthy enough. Okay? And that is stupid. Like you've got to do something. You've got to fast for 10 weeks and pray for 40 days to get God to do something. Listen, that is not the truth of the Scripture. The Holy Spirit's a gift. You don't have to do anything that, but let Him. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't pray and fast. I'm just saying if you're doing that, you're trying to get God to do that, that, ain't gonna, that doesn't work. Because you have an identity issue. You're feeling like you've got to earn it. And God says you don't have to earn the Spirit. He's a gift to you. He's a blessing to you. Don't try to earn Him. Number 12 is a lack of revelation of the goodness of God. Like, you don't really believe God is really good in your heart and He's going to give in good gifts to people. If you don't have that God's faithful, God's good, that's really key. Because of hurt in your life. Or why did God allow this? And blaming God, all that stuff will keep the Holy Spirit from flowing in your life. Number 13 is impatience, like I said a while ago. We get impatient with God because we want God to do something like, Now, Lord, I prayed for the Holy Spirit to come on me and, Well, we'll just wait. Just give me a chance. I'll do it the way I want to do it. And number 14 and I hate to say this one, but because it seems kind of opposite, but putting too much focus on an experience. This is coming from Mr. Experience. Because <laughs> I believe Christianity is an experience. I think I believe God's an experience. 
But God does not want us to put so much focus on having a certain experience like, well, God hasn't touched me unless I've spoken tongues, or God hasn't touched me unless I've fallen down, or God hasn't touched me unless I've jerked or, or got still, or whatever the thing is for you. You've got all your focus there. The thing I try to do with the Lord is, Lord, I just want to have some kind of assurance in my heart. That's really what I'm asking for. Just like forgiveness, I have an assurance in my heart. I, you know, there's no outward manifestations normally with forgiveness in my life anyway. I, I will take some though, right? But I have an assurance in me. And so I'm not, every time the Holy Spirit comes on me, I'm not looking for a specific way a specific outward experience. I'm just saying, Lord, let me walk away with this assurance that you're doing something, that you're filling me, that you're anointing me. You, that's all I ask for, Lord. I think tongues are everything, but when you make tongues the end all of being filled with the Spirit, you've gotten awful. It's, that's not the point. The point of being filled with the Holy Spirit is the power of God, the presence of God. That's the point. And the tongues and the gifts and all those things, let God determine that. See, when you begin to operate with God like that, you are relinquishing control and you're allowing Him to work in you, particularly, personally, you, where you stand today, how He wants to do. You know? And so when you see your buddy getting slammed from here to yawning, you know, bouncing across the floor, and you're thinking, well, God ain't doing that to me, so nothing must be happening to you in something profound could be happening to you. But because you've got your eyes in the wrong place, you're missing God. Now, I'm not putting away experience ever because that would be putting away the Bible. But I am putting away, putting too much focus and trying to have too much definition on what it looks like. I'm stopping. (laughs) So let's just stand up. Thank you, Lord. Are you all okay? Thank you, Lord. We just, whew, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Mm. We just bless your name. We just say, Lord, thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Lord, he is our connection. He's how we know that we're yours. And we just thank you, Lord. We bless your name.